Gabe Newell shows why he's the saint of the games industry. Activision blames gamers for lack of new IP. And Bethesda talks about why they're not interested in social trends. That plus more on today's MASHcast. manager and 2005 world double dutch champion rob hill williams oh wait i think that's i think that's the first time you reused one no 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 because you were the hopscotch champion before thank you very much (laughs) 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 i'm damn double dutch i think you've used double dutch i have to go review the records now (laughs) (laughs) no it was hopscotch it was hopscotch i i had to question myself and i was like yeah it's definitely hopscotch that you were the champion of be okay. proud. Be proud. Not, not every. Just these days. <laughs> catch him reusing one or being like, uh, I, he is the writer. <laughs> anyway, hi guys. <laughs> yes, and uh, also this today episode number twenty marks the triumphant return of senior editor and the only man that I've known to wrestle a bear and live to tell the tale, Nick Santangelo. He was ten stories high if he was a foot, I tell you. Somehow I've made it back alive for MASHcast number 20. Yes, yes. Either that or I was on vacation in Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> That's so boring. You wrestled a bear in Hawaii on yes, a volcano. That's what happened. Jesus. While it was erupting. Oh, the story you're right. Exactly. And natives were throwing spears at me. It was awful. Okay. <laughs> okay, that might not have actually happened. Maybe. Okay, now we've gone too far. It was more like I was laying on Sorry. the beach catching a tan. Yes. Right. I thought about a bear. They were throwing grapes at me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Awesome I saw a hairy man walk by in a bathing suit. Uh, and that's enough of that. See? <laughs> that's all I got to say. Right. <laughs> all right, <but laughs> yeah, well, yes, welcome to MASHcast number 20. That's uh, 10 more episodes than number 10, so we are like chugging right along there, aren't we? Wow, that's like 10. It's more than 9. Definitely. <laughs> man, that's more than like our first one. It's weird <laughs> how that happens. Yeah, so uh, yeah, let's get into it. Uh, Nick, what have you been playing? Well, like I said, I was, uh, as you guys know, our, our listeners just found out, I, I've been on vacation, so I really have not played almost anything in the past like two weeks I was gone. Uh, I just got back in, though, and I, I do have my review copy of Resistance 3, which I've, I'm a few hours into right now, which I'm really liking. Um, I really like the first Resistance. The second one was kind of, eh, it was okay. wasn't as good, though. Um, but the weapons are great and all, and uh, you know, probably have my full review up on Monday, the day before it comes out, which 
if you're listening to this right now, it might already be up on the site. If not, look for it very soon. That's pretty much all I've played because, yeah, I've, I haven't been home. <laughs> all right. We're going to have to, like, jump into, like, that, that temporal distortion where we start talking as if it's Monday, but it's not at all. <laughs> Which will confuse us to death, but it'll make things easier on everybody else, maybe. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. Cause... It, it might not, because we're probably going to just get completely confused at some point and be like, wait, didn't they just say Monday? I thought they said today. Right. Why are they talking about Friday? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or you'd be like, yeah, that happened on Friday, and everybody's like, what do you mean, today? No, yeah. no. Temporal field, temporal field. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that thing that did not happen today at all. Wait, you at guys all. don't have a time machine? No, actually. I've got a Tardis. <laughs> Rob, what have you been playing? Uh, Doom and Destiny, which uh, review will be up soon as well. Um, or by the time you read it. Uh, or hear this, I should say, not read it. If you read it, yes, it's up. Crazy how that works. Um, and Deus Ex, which I am still regretfully not very far in. I want to have more time, but I'm doing too much stuff, so I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Alright, so for me, uh, three things on, on, on my playlist. Well, this fourth. guy. This yeah. guy playing all the different games Shut now. Off. I know. You act like I'm not working here. Two of these are reviews. I'm games, just saying, okay? you're working, but like all of a sudden you're the guy who's playing different stuff every week, and now we're like, yeah, we uh, we had time for one game. <laughs> <laughs> well, just weird. Nick's time for one game. That's his own fault for being in tropical paradise. So I, I know. I don't that, hear that, any you know, it really showed me to go to Hawaii too. I learned my lesson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do that again. I might miss yeah. a game. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I've been uh, playing Speedrunner HD, which is Xbox Xbox Live indie game, which was um, it was good. It was uh, entertaining. I thought it was uh. It's worth the three bucks that it cost. Um, my only complaint was that it should have been harder. Like, there's only two sets of medals. There's silver, and you get silver just for completing the level. And there's gold if you have time, you know, if you complete the level, you know, faster. Like, usually with, like, ten seconds to spare. They should have been a platinum medal. One they that should have was... been a bronze medal. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's my that thought. I was, like, the, I was like, where the hell the bronze medal go? If it's like yeah. a race, then bronze, silver, gold. Ta-da! Like yeah, well, maybe that was their way of saying, if you deserve a bronze, go kill yourself. Maybe that would have been it. Wow. Because silver, you know, second place is just the first loser. <laughs> so, and gold is for the winners. But there should have been a platinum for, like, you know, where you had to be almost perfect at the level. Or, or perfect at the level to get it. I would have loved... To have played a game like that, or you know, if they if they had that option, I'm um, still playing Record, uh, Red Orchestra two. Now it's in public beta, which it's even it's even better now because there's so many more people playing, so many more people to kill, so and... many more people complaining that you're cheating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's happened. I've been called a hacker once so far. I'm like, That's, dude, we're, that good? we're, we're yeah. in beta, like, you know, maybe <laughs> if you weren't poking your head out, I wouldn't shoot your face, you know what I'm saying, like, get get get, get with the program here, <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> but, like um, this ain't Call of Duty, bro, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> come at me, or don't, because I'm going to take your head off. <laughs> <laughs> you win enough in any shooter, and soon enough, some, some videos some will be like, where'd it go, cheater, nice yeah. hacker. Because there's no way I can be better than you. That's that's right. no way I can be well, better. Well, that than you. that is the the fallacy in any online game. They say that people want to be more connected, but really, we just want to be the best man. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. But, and 
And anytime someone beats you, like, that dream has been shat upon. <laughs> so the only way that you could justify that you're still the best is that the other person's a cheater. Obviously. I don't know. Psychology yeah. of gaming, yay. <laughs> but uh, other than that, I've been playing Rock of Ages, which is unique. <laughs> <laughs> there is no. I'm doing the review for it, and I cannot say that this game is bad. It's not a bad game. Um, it has all of the elements to be a good game. Like it has the attack element where you you know you roll the boulder and you control the boulder, and you know it has physics effects. Like if you're rolling really fast, it is hard to turn and stop, which adds a challenge to the game because some of the levels take like S curves and stuff like that. And plus, you have to watch out for towers and catapults and cows that knock you around. You know, oh, you have to watch those it. pesky cows. Yeah, so you have to watch out for that stuff while attacking. But at the same time, like after you attack, they have to rebuild the boulder, and um, you need to uh, defend your gate. So you have like a defense type deal going on too. So I mean, it has all the makings of an interesting, good game. But I don't know, dude. I'm like, it's just not for me. <laughs> it's just not for me. So I'm curious to see how the review is going to turn out because, like, I don't know. With the way I write reviews, things change as I'm thinking about them, you know, as I'm writing it. So uh, we'll see what happens. But, um, yeah, let's get into the topics. Cause, yeah, those topics. Those yeah. things we were supposed to talk about. <laughs> is, that, yep. is that why we're here? Yeah, yeah, I thought we were just here to shoot the crap. I don't know. You know, usually we start the podcast with some doom and gloom because, you know, there's a lot of doom and gloom in the industry. Every week. <laughs> Every week. But this is I'm good. personally surprised there still is an industry. With all hey, that new. If you listen to the news, you would think not. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But um, uh, this week we're going to start off with some uh, with some news from, from Gabe Newell, which everybody should know who that is by now. Um, <laughs> and that Jared has threatened to kidnap about 80 times. <laughs> and all this can he be a did the interview from Jared's basement. That was my understanding. <laughs> <laughs> Just bring a reporter for It was sections. understood how things were going to go. <laughs> okay, you have five minutes with Gabe. Don't feed him. <laughs> but um, so Gabe, um, he was speaking regarding Dota 2, uh, which you know, Defense of the Ancients started as a Warcraft 3 mod, became very popular, uh, saying that they are not concerned with monetization at this point. Um, their their primary goal is to get the game right. Um, he says that they want to build on something cool for the fans, then worry about monetiz- uh, monetization, and then and we also said that p- premature monetization is the root of all evil. That was so awesome that he said that. Yes, like <laughs> this is stuff you don't really hear about. Like you know, with the way the games are coming out, especially like a lot of the free to play games right now, you can tell that they're like cart before the horse. Exactly. Like, how can we make money off of this game? The game's not even finished yet. But when Gabe is saying like, and this is why Valve makes awesome games. To this, this is why Valve is successful. Yes, <laughs> more <laughs> of the point. Yeah, like, this not is why no one because you could, I guess, potentially make good games if you're putting monetization before the game, but this is why Valve is successful on a whole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean... Design philosophy. Exactly, like, I mean, give me one Valve game that's a bad game. You know, they, the reason why is because they, they focus on making an excellent game, and not just an excellent game that the general population is going to like. They, like. they make excellent games that the fans... Of that genre will like, you know what I'm saying? That Absolutely. that is rare. That if is rare. Know what you're 
surprise you because I mean, how many people knew that they had an affinity for portal-based puzzle games before Portal came out? Like, they just make good games. <laughs> they just make games that it doesn't like. I'm, you know, was never a shooter person, but Half Life Two, Team Fortress, like those were games that like I played a lot despite you know not really caring. Because to me that, well, I mean, Team Fortress very much is a, a shooter, but it's got such a different aesthetic and style to it that it's, I don't know, somehow falls outside of that, that gap to me. But, uh, you know, Half-Life 2, like, it barely qualifies as a shooter to me. <laughs> but that's well, because there's so much else around that, it. You know, well, oh, I'm sorry, you go ahead, Nick, you, you can speak. I was just going to say, yeah, that game pretty much set the gold standard for every shooter that has come out since then. For me, at least. And I know I'm not alone in feeling that. And Valve just, not, I don't. It's more than just the games. I think that's primarily at the games that they make, but just the way they just talk so frankly all the time, especially Gabe. They're almost invulnerable to that. The sort of ups and downs that you see, pretty much every other major publisher go through in like the public eye. You know, like, like it just always goes through. Like everybody's hating EA for a while, then they sort of realize they're effing stuff up and turn around. And now we love EA, we hate Activision, and then that'll turn around and we'll hate somebody else for a while. Ubisoft that doesn't seem next. to happen with Valve. You might be right. It might be Ubisoft next. <laughs> they're, they're... Valve just always seems to be at the top. Like, everyone is always like, yay, Valve, we love you guys. Yeah, and it's funny because, like, they're really kind of bigger than a, than a you know, a normal publisher, but they're really kind of still indie in mindset. Like, oh, that's how they work. That's yeah. why they work. They're you know, very, the they they're, do. they're still very indie. Um, they're the largest indie developer. I believe that, well, Gabe says that they're the largest indie developer in the world, he thinks they are, which wouldn't make, uh, which I said, makes, it makes sense to me that they, they would be, because I can't think of anybody larger than them. That's an indie developer. Right, you know, yeah, they're, the like they're, the, they're the model of you know when somebody starts an indie studio, like that's what I want to be like Valve. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, his point is the only real point that well, not even just the only real point, but the point that anybody making games, no matter how big or how small you are, should know or should take a lesson from if you don't know it already that the most important thing is not sucking first. Like, that's the most important thing to pay attention to first. Because it doesn't matter what your what your model and your business model is like, how you sell the game, what you choose to monetize. Like, if the game is crap, it, none of that matters anyway. Exactly. So you can have all these plans in place to make money, but you're not going to make money if the game sucks. So, um, yeah, it's I just really... You're doing that. Yeah, they are. They are. <laughs> like, how often do we hear about uh, before the game even comes out? Like, this is our strategy for the DLC, and this is a planned trilogy, and we're gonna have all these, you know, extra microtransactions and all this bull and before whatever. the game's and, even done. Yeah, and, and then and then you're like, how many weapons are in the game? We're not talking about that right now. Right. <laughs> That's just an example, uh, you know. You know, it's still being written. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so it was how just... many players will be multiplayer? Oh, I don't really know. This is how many hats you'll be able to buy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was just really refreshing to hear that perspective on from somebody from somebody well known in the industry about you know their thoughts on monetization before actual game design. So uh, yeah, that was good. yeah because I mean really when you come down to it you know before we move on but when you come down to it. If you sold the game, you know, at thirty to fifty, whatever amount of dollars, as long as it's worth it, or if you made it free to play and you, you know, 
put stuff along with it that's worth buying. Like either way, like as long as it's worth buying is the important part. And like more people need to realize that. Valve honestly knows. They obviously that's why they do so well. <laughs> yep, that is absolutely. Why. Yeah, agreed. We agree with you, Gabe. I'll give him an extra treat, you know, later for that. <laughs> yeah. No, but, no, uh, for a few minutes. <laughs> yeah. All right, but um, next on the docket, we uh, let's talk a little bit about Mass Effect Three. I guess we're going to talk about what's happening after Mass Effect Three, and the only thing we know about what's happening after Mass Effect Three is the fact that Shepard will not be there. Um, I welcome this news. Yeah. All I got to say about this subject is thank you for letting a character like you know stop <laughs> you know at a certain point and then move on with something else because you can still have mass effect and you know like not have shepherd be involved like there's so many other characters and so many other things that you can do and a whole freaking universe galaxy to explore that you don't need shepherd all the time you know you, you see Master Chief come back for a fourth game and you're like oh, I thought he was done you know at a certain point hero gets to rest you know it should be so thank you. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> a word of warning, though. Let, please actually stick to this EA and Bioware. You know, because we hear a lot about, like, this is going to be the final super ultimate ending of this character or this series or this trilogy. Still and then, like... <sighs> and then, like, a year later, it's like, well, what we really meant by that was blah, 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 blah. And actually, we've been leading up to this moment since the first game. And, like, 343 said that. You, you should bring up Master Chief. 343 said that about <laughs> Halo that, 4. Yeah. They, they said every single piece of fiction, comic, book, uh, novel, game, anime, like, everything has been leading up to Halo 4 and the Reclaimer trilogy, which we are now sending Master Chief on. And I was like, shut up. Shut up. Are you telling yeah. me 10 years ago this was the plan? Nope. The plan was like, oh crap, we're running out of stuff to do. Like, we need to, we need another Halo because we don't have anything but gears right now. <laughs> no, the, ten, ten years ago, ten years ago, the plan was, oh crap, we can't sell this as a PC game. We need to, sell, we need to find a way to sell our new game. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> it, it just, it's just ridiculous. So I think we're all really happy to hear Bioware say this. I really hope they stick to it. Um, and I, I tend to believe what things that uh, Bioware says more than some other people. Yeah, I mean, if it was coming from EA specifically, you know, it'd be one thing. But I think that you know, since it's coming from Bioware, like that means a little bit more to me in that in that respect. Because and and it's not like Bioware hasn't already set precedents for like using different characters in the same series. I mean, like Dragon Age, they've already done it, and you know, we're only on the second game. So I think that you know, that's it's a real strong possibility, and I hope they stick to it. Yeah, Knights of the Old Republic. I mean, that's true. Like that's another series where they did that. Yeah. And now, it's the second one made by Bioware, though. It wasn't, but that I mean, like you know, it's still same story, storyline. Yeah. You're right. I don't want to take anything away from that, but just and and, and you know, and now you have Old Republic, which technically, you know, there is, you know, they're not there at all. Like it's there's a bajillion main characters, and they're us, <laughs> and none of them are, you know, Revan or the uh, Malik, the Exile. Uh, I'm sorry. Yes, that's right. Yeah, just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, me personally, I mean, I haven't even finished the first Mass Effect, but, uh, my... <laughs> you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> get off, get off the podcast. So, 
<laughs> We're done here. Yeah, but um, I can I can definitely appreciate that they they they'd move it to a different character. Well, you know, or at least this definitely means they will move to a different story arc. You know, as opposed to you know changing their mind a little bit later and then continuing it. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't know. You can take that as good news or bad news depending on how much you love Commander Shepard, which is highly customizable. So I guess therefore how much you love yourself. Yeah, I think that's the other if thing. So? I think it's probably easier for them to do this too than say in other series. You know, because even even though he does have like a speaking or her talks and everything, it, it you know it, it's so personalized. Yeah, and it's not like you just, you probably it's not like you won't be able to make the same character the way they look. You know, that's true. Yeah, you can make yeah, them look the way they have customization. It doesn't matter for Shepard or not because it, whoever it is, it's who you want it to be, really. Right, right. Just great. All right, so moving on from that, let's talk a little bit about Modern Warfare, which I don't think we've talked about that in a couple podcasts. No, we've talked about the companies, but not not so much the game. There hasn't been much news until recently. Yeah, because they had that COD XP, which I really had no interest in going. Really? Uh, I thought you'd be excited. No, no. Yeah, I thought you'd love it. <laughs> Not really. It's be, it's not necessarily because it's COD. It's because of the caliber of people that will be there. <laughs> but, well, considering it's a game centered around, or an expo centered around only that game, yeah, you know who you're going to be dealing with because you deal with them online. <laughs> you ever play the game. So. Exactly. But uh, basically, there's only two things we're going to be talking about here. Well, one thing regarding Call of Duty as a game, one thing that may affect your wallets. Um, the first thing that that we we have here is a screenshot saying uh, showing a, a map with a max player of 32. Uh, so that's the largest map size in Call of Duty history, pretty much. Uh, personally, I think this is a terrible, terrible idea for Call of Duty. Okay, and the reason being is because it'll be chaos. Like games that re- that you have large player bases, like let's say 32, 64, etc. Um, those games usually require teamwork and, and and some type of communication, which means that it's not going to be total chaos. And then if a map does turn into chaos, it'll usually be a stalemate. People will leave the servers, leave the games, and it usually balances itself out. But the way, the way Call of Duty actually is built... You know, yeah, you can play with your friends, but at the same time, you can totally hop into a server by yourself and be like the Lone Ranger and play Rambo. Exactly. <laughs> but like, I can see this turn into like just you know people dying left and right, grenades spam everywhere. Yes, the maps will be larger. Those maps will be larger, so that's that that'll help. But at the same time, thirty-two players in a Call of Duty map like that is. That it's a lot. I mean, even like I mean, games like Team Fortress that require teamwork in order to move forward. Thirty-two players in a Team Fortress server is a lot, and it becomes chaos. Like, I mean, I've been in maps where, like, uh, control point maps or payload maps, and there's thirty-two players in there. And actually, well, I don't think it does this on console, but on PC, it warns you. Like, if you go into a server that's over twenty-four players, it warns you, like, hey, this map. Or is is best played with twenty four players maximum, and these it gives you a couple of examples of things that can happen <laughs> if you play in a server that's too large, and like the, a lot of those um a lot of those games turn into not moving anywhere, just turn into kill fests. 
you know. Right. But so, um, I don't, I, don't, I don't think this is a really good idea. Personally, I think this is a uh, a reaction to Battlefield. I think this is them. Show, this is their first reaction to Battlefield picking up steam. I was kind of getting that too. Yeah, I think the reason why they're doing this is because uh, <laughs> I don't know where why they think larger player maps are the answer, but they think that if I'm right, that this this is their answer to Battlefield having up to 64. Well, sorry, it's, it's 32 players console, right? 64 players PC, I believe, for Battlefield Three. I think that's right. You know, I believe so, so. This is their answer, and I, this is the wrong answer. This this is the wrong answer. I mean, Call of Duty is a different game than Battlefield. Yes, they're both both first person shooters, but they are not the same game. Two totally different games. Right, and, just the way that they're built. Yeah, there, there should be a, you know a difference, but we've it's the way that they're built before. is you know intrinsic to it not really being suited to having thirty two players like. In light of, you know, some of the other things we'll talk about with the multiplayer, you know, with the, the changes to multiplayer, or some of the additions, I guess, maybe, but um, some it might make sense in a certain respect, but if it's just like 32 players across the board for every mode, I don't, I don't particularly like that, but if you're talking, you know, some of the more support-oriented things, like, you know, the... The bomb matches and you know defusing the bomb and things like that. Like there's some potential there, but not for a general death match. Like that would just be horrible. That'd be terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I know. Just... I know everybody likes bigger and better because you know you you hear like oh man there's gonna be 32 players. You're like that's gonna be awesome until you actually you know get in and you're like this is terrible because it's just people camping places or you know just a giant clusterfuck somewhere you know all the time and it's not really fun you know yeah, like there's a point where there's too many this people game already just charge like headlong into like battle like i've never seen people in a game that were like so intent to just die than in call of duty i don't know what that <laughs> that's is because they're gonna take out five people while they do it bro uh, yeah I, that is <laughs> that is definitely part of it it's just like so many people just like okay run 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 run, run. oh we're dead okay get back oh we're dead we're dead we're dead we're dead again <laughs> <laughs> That it's is, like everybody just sprints to death in that game and then brag about how like, yeah, bro, I had 22 kills. Yeah, but you died like 32 times. Exactly. I had 22 kills, man. They, like, they don't look at the kill-death ratio. Yeah, like, they just look at the kills. You are not helping. That is not helping the team, dude. Doesn't matter how many kills you have if you die more. That's because it's so it, it is, it's kind of so focused on self. Like even if you call it team deathmatch, like, you know, no, they, that person doesn't feel bad if they're, you know, because they got 30 deaths and they're, you know, half the reason you lost if they got 35 kills. They're like, yeah. well, you know, you guys should step your game up. And it's like, exactly. You, Maybe uh, you shouldn't so die so much. That, like, <laughs> like, it wouldn't have yeah. mattered. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying, man. Like, you know, then maybe you would have done something, but, like, you know, that's that's the mindset, though. I mean, not everybody's like that. It's weird because, like, I find that, well, I guess it's kind of like a generalization, but I find that people who are actual military tend to be more of a, you know, like, actual tactics, like, you know, working as a group focused, you know, but, like, even in, like, when you get to, like, a size of, like, a 32-player game, even that falls apart, you know, like... That is difficult to manage, unless yeah, you're, unless you're like, a private so party. People. Yeah, unless you have squads. It's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it. I think like I think it was you, Rob, who said, you know, if they have like it's some sort of separate thing, if there's a separate playlist for that, then you know you can't really complain. Then okay, we have this one other option, and if it sucks, we just don't play it. 
Like a lot of games do that. Like I, I tend to not really like big team modes in, in a lot of games, so I just don't play them that often. But if this is just gonna come up like regularly, like okay, we're doing a thirty-two game or player match rather, and you have no choice, it's like, oh come on, really? So we'll have to see how they implement that. Yeah. Um, now the other aspect that we, well, I mentioned earlier was something that could affect your wallet. And this has to do with a meeting that took place the day before, uh, you know, CODXP actually started. Um, looks like CEO and I guess, you know, the, the rest of the big wigs over at Activision, they met at the location of XP and had a little meeting talking about Call of Duty. And the, the big takeaway from this meeting was the fact that players are willing to pay more for Call of Duty. He said that the average uh, player for Black Ops spent $76. So that means they bought the game plus at and least... And at least a map pack. Exactly. At least one DLC map pack. One overpriced map pack. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'm sorry. You can think whatever you want about Call of Duty, but those map packs are completely overpriced oh guys. totally totally and you know what the the funny thing is like i would have taken away something different he's like yeah we have four map packs some people pay for at least one i'm like they only pay for one of your map packs <laughs> you know what i'm saying like that sounds like a quality issue to me or yeah. a pricing issue you know yeah but, but, they, the thing, but you know they don't care as long as they get the money because you know if they released four at you know a reasonable price and people bought all four well then you know that's that's that doesn't matter to them because it's the same amount of money. Yeah. So basically, like they want to continue to pursue this whole thing with, you know, people paying more for Call of Duty, and what I think that means for you guys that buy this stuff. When I say you guys, I mean you guys because I don't buy this stuff, uh, like the DLC map packs and stuff like that. Yeah. Even when uh, I play Modern Warfare, that's not. Yeah. So, no. <laughs> so, so, like you know, they, more than likely, you can expect more DLC, um, higher price DLC. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if DLC for Modern Warfare Three, maybe the next Modern Warfare, or I should say Call of Duty, maybe twenty dollars within the next two years DLC. Considering the fact that Elite officially for the premium is going to be fifty dollars a year, and that means that you get all the DLC free. Well, free, quote unquote, within you know the time that you pay for your, that subscription. That's yeah, unbelievable. I could see it because then that would push people to get they, that would push people to get elite. I know? that was my fr- I did not know that elite was only fifty dollars a year. Are you serious? That's ten dollars less than an Xbox Live subscription. Mm-hmm. I mean, you really, really, really have to, have really to play. like Call yeah. of Duty in order to uh, to justify a fifty dollar a year subscription. Are you? Are you you've got to be kidding me! Because the thing is, to me, if you pay fifty dollars for a subscription, all you play is Call of Duty. You're not a gamer. I'm saying that right now. Like you're just somebody who likes Call of Duty. Just like people who only play Madden, they're not gamers. They're people who like Madden. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people do play it that much, though. Uh, none of us do, obviously. Um, but a, a lot of people do. You're right, though. If, if you're not one of those people, like. That's outrageous, $50 a year. And the funny thing, though, is that they're tooting it, you know, the same way they're, you know, tooting that, oh, man, they, people buy one of our four map packs every time, you know. They're like, they're tooting that, like, that's, like, the re- that's the reasonable buy-in point that, like, you know, that's totally going to make sense for, for Call of Duty players. I'm like, that's really, really debatable, but, you know. Yeah. I, I, but, and, and 
and that actually makes that even kind of like brings out the contrast even more to what you just what you just mentioned. The fact that like that means that they're only buying one out of the four map packs that they release. The fact that if they're only buying one of those map packs anyway, Call of Duty Elite is useless to you because unless you were buying all four. I don't know. I mean, like it's just it's a bit much. It like, is. <laughs> like unless you just that's how much you use it. A lot of oh, people wow. like just don't realize that you know there, there's a lot of other games out there. Oh, you know? there's like yeah. a lot of good games that come out every year. <laughs> I mean, if you are playing Call of Duty that much, like Jared said, like you, I can't even imagine like you were just missing out on so much content. Like, try something else, please. Yeah, <laughs> I think that that and it, go, it goes into what Jared said. Like, you know, like if that's all you play, you're not really a gamer, you know. And that's not like a slight. It's fine if that's all you play. I said it as a slate. But, well, I don't. I mean, like, <laughs> sometimes people just like what they like, which, whatever. <laughs> you know, like, everybody's tastes are different. But, yeah, we shouldn't tell people exactly. But the thing want. is, like, I do agree with the idea that, like, you're not really a gamer because a gamer supports the industry. And if you're only ever buying one game in the industry, ever, like, that's all that you play at any given time then you're not really supporting the industry. Like, you're supporting one IP. Then you are the reason why everyone is trying to be Call of Duty. Well, yeah, that too. Yeah. But that's that's just because of how much money it makes, you know. If, yeah, if, and, it's, if, and it's because well, of the people that are playing it all the time and spending all this money on the special editions and on the on the Mad Packs. And, uh, oh, yo, that, that Night Vision Goggle set makes you play that game better, okay? <laughs> You're right. No, it totally does. I remember mad that they got that and they were like, wait, what do you mean I can't use this with the game? I thought it was Night Vision Goggles for the game. Are you serious? You what? <laughs> no. <laughs> Who said that? Come on. Uh, dude, retail. I, yeah, I know. I know. Will tell me that. It's like, no, the, the real goggles. Go outside Go outside your house. <laughs> go outside at night and use them. They work, okay? Like, at least they worked. But anyway, yeah, that ties in with uh with actually our next topic. Um, Activision made a statement. Well, I shouldn't say Activision, but uh, well, yeah, I can't say Activision because you know he's the CEO of Activision, Eric uh, Hishberg. Eric Hishberg got smacked down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he um he says that gamers and not the economy are shaping IP, have shaped IP, or what that reads in English means that it's be- gamers are the reason why there are new I- no really aren't any new IPs coming out. At least it's your fault. Yeah, at least from Activision's standpoint, uh, they're trying to say that this is why. Um, according to them, uh, gamers, or according to him, gamers want to uh, want to spend more time on the same game. They want to go deeper into a fewer games. Uh, he's saying that all the metrics in terms of numbers of uniques and uh, hours of of uh, you know hours spent playing the games, they all show that gamers want to play more of the same game. Uh, and they said it, it, it's, you know, it'll be, I guess it'll be different for them if the hardware sales weren't up, but he's saying because hardware sales are up or the hardware install base is up, but people aren't necessarily, I guess, buying new IP games, it tells them that they want to play more of this, the same games. And he thinks the reason is that because, you know, in the recent years, DLC has become more prevalent and now it's a part of our gaming lives, apparently. Uh, but it gives the games longer shelf life and has decreased the demand for IP. Now, me personally, I think this is like a knee-jerk reaction to the lower sales of new IP. Stuff like uh, Blur 
or Bloodstone or just new games that people really aren't, I guess they really, really aren't, uh, no, they don't know about. Right, they don't have enough reason to invest in them, you exactly. know, at least straight off the bat, especially the $60 price point. Exactly, that's the thing, like, the game is 60 bucks, and if you don't spend a decent amount of money on marketing to get that into the mind of the player, they're not going to buy it. Like, maybe if you spent less money on Call of Duty advertising, because people are going to buy that anyway, and more on your new IP, I mean... Maybe maybe people buy IP. Like I guess my 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 example today is going to be Enslaved. Enslaved was a new IP. It was an excellent game all the way until the end. The ending was a bit confusing, but that's okay because the game itself was awesome. Um, but nobody bought that IP. I think like 30 days after the game came out, Namco like reduced the price on it. Right, and, and then it started kind of selling. <laughs> it's yeah. funny that you bring that up because I was thinking of the exact same game as you're talking about this and I, I think a lot of it is the game looked really cool but it's like it's kind of one that was under the radar for a lot of people yeah or even if it wasn't even if it was on your radar it was still like well there's all these other games that i know are going to be good that are coming out in october and november right and this game might be good so I'm going to get the games i know are going to be good now and maybe i'll pick this one up down the road exactly which yeah. A lot of it is like if if you're bringing out a, a like a, a game like that, don't release it in October or November, especially be, in the same year that Halo comes out. Yeah, yeah. When they when they announced the release date to that, the second they said, I was like, flop, flop, <laughs> absolutely. That, like that that game just had like surprise summer hit written all over it. Yeah, you know, like, if they could have summer. brought that out in like August or like June or something. When there was only like one or two other games, it, people would have been like, "Oh, well, there's nothing else out. This looks like it could have been cool. I'm gonna pick that up." But now you're just like all this other crap coming out during the holiday season, and a lot of and most of the big multiplayer games. Like he talks about a lot, Hirschberg, that you know they want more for the DLC. You know, talk map packs and you know all, all user generated content. He doesn't say that specifically, but just things that extend playtime, basically. And with all those games coming out during the holiday season. They require like so much of a time investment. It, you, you just don't have time to pick up everything that comes out then. So you're going to pass up some of the games that look like they might be good for in favor of the familiar, which is unfortunate for un- Enslaved and the likes. Yeah. But don't bring, don't bring a game like that out in October or November. And you probably won't have that problem. Obviously, you can't guarantee that. But Yeah, I don't think... I don't think October or even September through December is a time for new IP. <laughs> no, it's that, not. That's, in fact, there is a entire like you know two to three month period where it's there's nothing that comes out. Like, why in the world is it so hard to make that new IP time instead of spring and summer and spring and winter? I know everybody you know in the game industry thinks in terms of Christmas and spring, but like you want to launch a new IP, summertime is the time to do it. Exactly. And not late summer. Like not September when Madden and everything else starts coming out, but those earlier months that you already mentioned, you know. Yeah, July, August. Yeah. Yeah. And, when and when we didn't have any games to even talk about except like My Little Pony or something on the Mashcast at the end, like yeah, so um, you know, there's like a Phineas and Ferb game next week, so uh, check that out. You know, like you telling me that there's not space for a new IP there that somebody might you know that could turn into something bigger. Eh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> They worry a lot about people being on vacation and the great outdoors and all that. 
true to some extent, true to some extent, but gamers are going to buy games year round. They really are. Like we've seen that gamers buy games year round. As long as there's games to buy. Yeah. And there's really, when August is coming, I was like, you were talking about, we were all looking at each other like, oh man, what are we going to talk about in August? Like we were looking at the games to review in August. We're like, there's like Deus Ex is coming out. And then sure, there's some cool like downloadable stuff. But like other than Deus Ex, like I can't even think like major disc release in August. I don't think there was anything. Right. So like that's a perfect time to drop it. The, the only time you need to be bringing it out during the holiday season, if you're trying to crack it with a new IP, is if if you're Activision or EA or Nintendo, Sony, somebody like that, you could you throw that marketing spend, muscle. Yes, yeah, yeah. And you're going to spend an insane amount on it, being like, no, no, you must look at this game. This is our big game. This isn't the also ran. This is our big holiday game. As so troubled that- as a development as LA Noir had, that was a new IP, and Rockstar backed it well enough and got it out there that it became popular. Yeah, there you go. There's a May game. Uh, you know, same thing with Red Dead Redemption. Everybody's like, oh my god, nobody buys Western video games. Yes. <laughs> they advertised it right, and they brought it out at a time where there was nothing else to play. Actually, there were there were a few other ones. And, you know... Really, though, they spent the time to make it good, and possibly even more importantly, from a sales perspective, they spent the time to make you think it was going to be good. Yeah. So the hype was there. You got to have that. And that's, like, he can go on all I want about gamers aren't buying IP, new IP, and that's why we keep bringing out the same thing over and over again. And, you know, there's going to be sequels, and that's fine. And we want sequels as gamers. But there is a demand for new IP. You just you're not handling it right most of the time. Is the problem? It's the publishers. Yeah, it's it's an excuse in a way. Yeah, um, they're trying to save money and they're trying to stay safe. And the, the unfortunately, they're just going to continue to do that until that until that 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 well is dry. And then they have to come up with something new. Then they're going to believe that for a while. Like that's just unfortunately in terms of major development, that is the way things are going. Next thing you know, you're Guitar Hero. Yeah, <laughs> so you know you are guitar and Modern Warfare better be careful, as was stated last week. <laughs> you know because you know as soon as uh coming to get you, man. Yeah, as soon as said. Yeah, as soon as that uh that Come well run market share some. <laughs> yeah, as soon as that well runs dry, you know Activision they I'm just saying like they've done it before. They've just straight up dropped games that you thought were gonna be around for a while. You know, but um he's you know he also mentions that DLC that well I'll, I'll read his quote. He says, uh, "But now you're seeing that more and more with the uh, more and more with these DLC strategies and a lot more connected play. This is something we're learning uh, from gamers. Just because it's part of an existing franchise doesn't mean it's not innovative. Doesn't mean we're not bringing new ideas. And if they had something to back that up, I might say, okay. But they don't. That's what they like. Every DLC they come out with is more maps." What maybe maybe weapons? Like I don't even think they have weapons in their DLC packs. Not typically. I mean, like, I'm sorry, but like, Call of the Dead does not count. Yeah, exactly. It, it really doesn't. Like, adding zombies to a game, a video game at this point is not something new. It, ah, come not. on, nobody does that. It, that exactly. That's it, by I mean. nobody, you mean everybody. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, that's right. Did I say nobody? I meant everybody. Even yeah. if you put vampires instead, like maybe I'd be inclined to think that, like, okay, well, they're trying something different, I guess. Yeah. But like, adding a zombie to a video game is not trying a new idea at this point. Like, let's. It's the same thing as adding first-person shooter to you know making a game a first-person shooter is not a new thing at this point. You know, like that in and of itself is not enough. I mean, my my issue here is that like I can see what 
if 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 it was maybe coming from a different company or a different i don't know like if it didn't sound like such an excuse i could read it as you know you know, economy is tough players are buying less games you know they you know when they have to make a choice they only you know they choose their favorites you know like they choose what can give them the longest experience while they'll play for a long time and they tend to stick to something that they know if that was the argument and, and like and what he was saying just didn't sound like such an excuse for the way things are like i'd be inclined to like kind of you know, I can understand it, but we've already, you know, us, you know, plebeians, you know, journalists <laughs> have laid out, you know, that there's literally a two month stretch at least, you know, especially depending on the year, sometimes three months where there's nothing like the landscape is barren and like you have a perfect time to put out stuff. Don't tell me stuff doesn't sell then yeah. like the humble indie bundle comes out then and summer of arcade happens. You have PSN titles that launch in the summertime and do like there's room if you want if you really actually want to support a new IP but don't bring out blur or split second or or any of those games right on top of red dead or you know some other big game that you know is coming or put it in november against call of duty and say well i told you you know players don't want new IPs when it gets crushed yes it's going to happen but like position it to be successful at least that's yeah and like they want to be able to boast like right. we came out day and date with this other game, and we won. And every once in a while, that happens. Let's say it's not like it's completely impossible. You know that it's can happen. Good. You have to position yourself better than that, though. You 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 know the way the wind blows. At least, especially in the game industry, like some things are kind of like clockwork at this point. Like if a Halo game comes out, it's going to do pretty well. If a Call of Duty game comes out, it's going to do pretty well. Or that's kind of an understatement. But like you don't like that. That's why so many games, even big games, have jumped out of the way of you know those launches. You know, like Battlefield and Call of Duty. You know, like. It used to be that like that was the centered, like centered piece time for like all these games to come out at one time and like fill the shelves with stuff for parents to look at, and really now it's like you got like two games to come out. Yeah. So don't I just don't position your stuff for failure and then say like oh it's, that's the gamer's fault you know you don't buy new IPs it's like we do when you give them to us in a time frame that makes some kind of sense you know February. Like, I've I bought enslaved, you know, like I'm, you know, maybe one of the few, but like I bought enslaved, like I will give a new IP a chance. I don't want to spend my rest of my life with one game. Yeah, you know, I want something new in my life because that's how you get new new good games. So, yeah. well, I think I think gamers, like real gamers, will give new IP a chance. But um, when you're talking about millions of of dollars in sales. Or you know, hundreds of thousands of unit yeah, pickups. You, you have to see why they get safe. But yeah, you have to. You have to. You know, you're talking about the general public in that aspect, and the general public, like you know, if they if they're in a store, never heard of Enslaved before because there were no TV commercials for this game. No, um, there were commercials on GameStop TV. Exactly. So yeah. like you know, you've never heard of Enslaved, and then to the left or right of that, you have Halo, or even it came out. A month after Shattered Dimensions as well, so there's a Spider-Man game, too. <laughs> you know, so you know you're looking at that there stuff. A lot of games. Yeah, like you're looking at that stuff, and then you look at Enslaved, and you're just like, meh. <laughs> and then you pick up one of the other games. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, just not enough to compel you to get it, especially when you've never seen it before. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, they if they want new IP to sell, which it will, they need to position it better. And like you said, well, like we all said, they need to put it into that 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 month that that summer that that summer dry spell period. 
Yeah, know. either then or like I was trying to say, February is a great time to bring it. Yeah, up. January, because, February, Dead Space Two. Yeah. Well, uh, January is usually like you, you, there's one or two like really huge games. There's still room there for more, but there's usually something big that like just missed getting out in time for November. And like, all right, we'll take two months more and we'll really make it perfect. Now that we're not going to make November, and that hits in January, and then it's like nothing really happens in February, and then March, it's like, oh my god, our fiscal years are ending. Let's all bring out all the games that we have now. Right. March has kind of become like almost aside from like October and November, March has kind of become like the next biggest month. It's the video gamers Christmas. Yeah, it, <laughs> it is. really is. Especially now that November has you know become Call of Duty season, really. You know. So like, whatever, if you're gonna do it during the the summer or February, that there are points where you can bring that out and new IP can be successful. You just have to handle it properly. Right. But um, moving on to our next topic, uh, Driver San Francisco, well, the dev of Driver San Francisco, which I believe the, the studio is, what is it, Ubisoft Reflections? Or yep. Ubisoft Reflections? Yeah, that's it. He was, uh, sub- not surprisingly, I should say, defending the DLC, not DLC, the DRM, uh, of Driver San Francisco, saying that you know, as a developer, you put your blood, sweat, and tears into the game, and then the publisher spends you know hundreds of thousands of dollars on the game just for a platform. And he's talking about PC that has piracy at its most incredible rates. He says, and so you know, it's uh, quite right, you know, morally and I guess from a business standpoint, to protect your investment. And to that, I say, I mean, I can understand protecting your investment, but putting DLC on a PC game at this point DRM. is like putting a lock on a on uh, on a on a door with no doorknob. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, because it's gonna get broken. They could, they're gonna get in anyway. Um, you're, you're just you're, pissing off the people that are buying your games. So we've exactly. been over this a hundred times on our podcast, and I'm sure. Yeah, I know that the rest of video game media has as well. It's it's getting ridiculous. Stop doing these things, please. Yeah, seriously. I mean, it's already been identified that game trade-ins are more of a are more harmful than you know piracy in games, and more than likely in a lot of cases, the people who were pirating the game are the ones that weren't going to buy it anyway. You know, like either they yeah, weren't going to on sale if they were never going, if they were never ever going to purchase it. Exactly. You know, they're a parasite, yes, but they were never going to buy it. You know, then that's not a loss. <laughs> yeah, like Jared said, they will just find another way to play the game for free. I mean, and, I'm not a hacker, so I don't know how they'll do it, but they they will figure something out. You yeah. know, they're they're not going to go, oh man, I guess I got to spend sixty dollars now. You know, that's not going to happen. I think that's the magical thinking of publishers, though. And, like, you know, I completely agree with, like, everything that he says, you know, that, like, you have to do something, you put your blood, sweat, and tears in this, you should be allowed to protect it. Yes. Yes to all that stuff. Absolutely. You have the right to defend your, your intellectual property. But consider how you do it. Because... I've seen more people who, even despite the wacky story of Driver San Francisco, were that were considering buying the game, like found out about the DRM and told me that like I just I'm not even interested now because like it, it that makes it so much worse as somebody who wants to pay for it and play the game, you know, to have you know I have issues with Comcast or I have issues with this or that or you know just the fact that it's annoying to have to to be forced to do it that. 
you don't even you don't want to deal with it, so you just don't even bother buying it. And like that, that's a lost sale. Not the guy who was never going to buy the game in the first place and pirates everything under the sun. You know, like that guy's going to find a way to play the game anyway. Now that you put the DRM on it, that's I mean, and we've gone over that a thousand times too. Like your DRM's not starving, not not stopping the people who are going to pirate it anyway. Exactly. You know, all you're doing is turn away customers who do want to buy your game, but now they won't because you're knowing them. <laughs> yeah, we have an entire you punish buying customers or paying yeah. customers rather. We have an entire podcast talking about that. Exactly. But, you know this, uh, and but if you haven't heard it, it's the special edition uh, pirates gonna pirate. Is that what it's called? Haters gonna hate, pirates gonna pirate. There it is. That's what it's called. But um, pretty. I, I wonder if you put this guy. Which his name is Martin Edmondson, by the way, and Gabe Newell in the room, like the type of conversation they would have, because Valve has a totally different uh, view on piracy. Mm-hmm. Um, Gabe says the best way to uh, fight piracy is to create a service that people need, and he said he thinks that publishers with strict DRM will sell less of their products uh, and create, and the DRM creates more problems, which in a lot of cases is true. Like DRM can cause lots of problems with games. Uh, and in this conversation, which, you know, we'll put in the show notes, of course, but in this conversation that, you know, uh, that uh, Gabe had with Kotaku, you know, he's saying that Valve was told that they would never make money in Russia because there's too many pirates in Russia, everybody pirates. But they actually took the time and looked into what the deal was with Russian piracy. And they found that it was actually a localization issue, that the pirates were localizing the game much better. And that's things like, um, for the most part, like uh, I guess if, if 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 the pirates are localizing it, it would have to be like subtitles and stuff like that, in terms of localization. But um, you know, the pirates, either way, the pirates are doing a better job at it. And so they invested in the localization of their Russian games, and now Russia is their third largest European market, only behind uh, the UK and Germany. Yeah, and I mean, you're including places like Spain and Italy, like other like more prestigious, quote unquote, European countries. In terms of think? sales, in terms right. of sales, <laughs> and like you not know, saying anything against Mother Russia, right? Exactly, <laughs> but you know, the fact that they turned that into their third, but because they took the time to look at what the issue was, you know, that maybe it's not just because you know pirates gonna pirate, <laughs> you know, maybe there's a reason that they're doing it. Could you imagine? If Valve came out and was like, yeah, by the way, Diablo 3, you're only going to be able to play it while you're doing this, that, and the other, and there's going to be these restrictions and such, people would just be just flabbergasted. I don't even so think like, people would be mad so much as just crushed. Like, people would be like, like, wait, what happened? What happened to the defender of, of the gaming public? If, yeah. <laughs> they would never do that. Like, it's just unfathomable. That would happen. I shouldn't say never, you know, because we can't predict, you know, what right, Valve is going to be future. 20 years from now. But right now, from where we are right now, like if Valve were to do anything even remotely, what, like what Ubisoft uh, and a number of other major publishers saying, you would just, yeah, you're right. You'd be just crushed. You'd be like, this is just wrong. This can't happen. Yeah. This isn't how it's supposed to be. You used and to be cool, Valve. What happened to you? All right, and it's funny because, like, in a way, like, I don't, I. When I look at Gabe Newell, I actually don't even really look at him as like some like defender of like you know the public you know the public uh, you know yeah basically I look at him as a good businessman like honestly like he 
because he takes the time to like you know like go through the progressions and you know actually think about like what the course is going to be for his company and it's the same thing that you know we were talking about earlier in the podcast about the monetization but now you're talking about DRM like another case where and it's not really it's not just it's not just about the public but it's you know like it's not all about the public. You know, if that was the case, it'd just be given away. No, like, it's no. free. Like, I play yeah. three, it's free to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's a car, you know, like, it's not, it's not quite like that. But, I mean, like, you have to at some point have the, you know, public interest in mind, like, to be a good businessman. And, like, I think that's what he does. Like, so much so that, like, he's such, like, a, I mean, like, maybe Ken Levine is, like, like, maybe another person that's kind of like that kind of has that kind of a thought process but like it's a short list and like yeah. i think that's why and he's he doesn't like have the pull that gabe newell yeah. has Such yeah. a, people listen to ken but he's not in a, the position that gabe newell is in yeah, yeah at least with a, as far as a business goes like in fact, game design is like a different thing but yeah like but like he's the only other one like off the top of my head that i can think of that i'm like you know like he's got the same kind of like thorough like you know like a b to all the way to z like i'm going to think this through mindset as opposed to like oh crap let's just jump in here and like yeah, i got knee-jerk reactions that just seem to the industry right so you know like it's just another you know another example but they're not scared of piracy you know like you know you notice when you get stuff on steam like yeah it's probably easy to pirate stuff you know like after you get stuff off steam or to, to get those games but like, who bothers? Because if you like the service enough, or if you you know you appreciate what it does for you, or you appreciate what the game is, like you'll buy it. <laughs> exactly. Like it's, That's it's weird. Yeah, I mean, Gabe has said it so many times. But if you make it worth it to the person, they will buy the game. Not every gamer is a thirteen, fourteen year old, or even sixteen year old boy just looking to steal all of your stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. actually, the average gamer is an adult. You know, yeah. adult adult male with a job. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, so if that person's going to steal, they're going to steal your stuff anyway. Exactly. They're just going to steal it anyway. <laughs> yeah. But the rest of us, like the majority of us, if you make it worth it, we will steal it. And the thing is, you know what a big problem is that's <laughs> happening? Now? You mean we won't steal it if they make it? Oh, yeah, we won't steal it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I meant. If you make your shit worth it to us, we just going to steal the crap. That would be so great to steal. Yeah, but like, okay. I think one of the main, and I guess I was thinking ahead of myself because I'm going to talk <laughs> what I'm going to talk about now, but I think one of the biggest issues with piracy or why uh, games are pirated as much as they are is because we're used to so much stuff when it comes to value, especially the PC community. Like, think about it. We used to get, you know, a game, I'll use, let's use Unreal Tournament, for example, okay? So with Unreal Tournament, not only did you get the game, you had a set of maps. Also, the development tools were released for that game, and so, therefore, you could get tons of mods and maps and all of that stuff. Actually, something I meant to bring up with the previous conversation about the uh, you know the new IPs with Activision, him saying that games are having a longer shelf life. He's only talking about console because PC games typically have always had a longer shelf life because of the for the for the reasons that I'm mentioning now. You know, having having all this stuff and it makes the game more uh, live for longer. But in recent years, they've been taking a lot of that stuff away, and then. The other stuff that we used to get for free, like updates, like new weapons, new maps, um, you know, stuff like that, they're taking that away too, and they're releasing it as DLC. 
you know, like if I were to play Battlefield 2 or 2142 or the original Modern Warfare, those, you know, the map packs you're paying $15 for now, stuff like that was given for free, you know? And you're yeah. not getting that anymore. So, like, the value is not as is not as good as it... You know, actually, not as good, but it's not as much value packed into the game as it used to be. And there's some exceptions to that rule, like Tripwire uh, exception there. Uh, their games typically come packed full of value. And then Valve games, I mean, it, on console, you had to pay for DLC. But that's only because of the systems that the consoles have in place for downloadable content. But on PC... I haven't paid for any DLC coming from Valve. You know, I think maybe Portal might be the first paid DLC that they're going to have for PC. If it's paid. I don't even know yet. Yeah, I mean, like Rob did say, like they're not, it's not that they're running a charity. Yeah. It's, it is a business, but it's, their business is such that when they speak and when they say, we're doing this because this is what the community wants and because this is what, where gamers want the industry to head, there's some plausibility to that. You actually believe what he's saying. One, because they have a track record of saying, you know, hey, we've looked at it and this is what people want, and then doing things and being like, oh, wow, this actually is pretty great. I do want this. And, and two, just it makes sense when he says these things. You know, it actually just sounds like something that you would want right off the bat. Whereas you, you hear, like, um, who were we just talking about? Like, Activision saying that. You know, this is the way gamers want. We're only doing it this way because that's what they want. And we're all like, that's not really true. I don't want that. That's not the way I want things. But Valve, like he's talking about, um, Gabe, how Steam is going to evolve. And like, this is, you're going to laugh at what it is today in a few years. Like everybody makes comments like that. And like if EA or Activision, some executive there says something like that about their system, I'm probably like, yeah, okay, whatever, dude. Sure, sure. <laughs> you know, but Gabe says it and I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I can't wait, man. I'm pretty excited for that. You know, I like, can't wait to see what you're doing next. I'm not automatically saying it's going to be the next best thing or the greatest thing ever when it comes out. But I am like, all right, yeah, I'm very interested to see. You know, sounds good. Let me know how that works out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I got you. I understand what you're saying. I think that's pretty much everything I had to say on the on this topic. Okay, but um, you guys good? Yeah, we're good. <laughs> we're good. Yeah. <laughs> the, the feel good moment of the mash cast. Awesome. Everybody has their feelings out. <laughs> I feel good. All right. Yeah, but um, yeah, refreshing view from Gabe. Well, I shouldn't say refreshing because he said it a million times before. How they feel about piracy and they continue, you know, with that stance. Where I'd say the, you know. Uh, our other friend from um, Ubisoft, uh, not necessarily agreeing with him on that. Yeah, I uh, agree with the sentiment, but not the execution of exactly. the sentiment. So, but that 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 wheel is going to continue to turn, and I guess eventually we'll find out who the winner is. But I'm assuming it's going to be Valve. Yeah, because Ubisoft, you know, like even after they they did finally, you know, and for a note for anybody who didn't know, they did actually change the the policy about the DRM on San Francisco, driver San Francisco. You don't have to be connected always on now. Now you just have to be able to connect to sign in in order to play, which is kind of annoying in the same sense, but less so. But still, you know, still a problem because they because honestly, when when the when the rant went down, you know, from people who said, like, why? Why are you doing this again after we already proved that this is a problem? And they were, like, they were genuinely confused about why people were upset. And that 
speaks of a bigger problem than just the idea of DRM. <laughs> that does. That's a, that's a topic for a different story, a different day. Yeah. Um, so anyway, for now we're gonna move on to. I don't know, I'm not gonna call it bad news, but you can take it how how you want. Um, Team Bondi, both Team Bondi and uh, BlackRock Studios have been closed. Now, BlackRock Studios, not necessarily surprised. Well, no, nobody should be surprised about Black BlackRock because Disney already said we're shutting them down. Yeah, that was a long time coming. Yeah, yeah I'm surprised it took them so long, actually. But yeah, yeah Disney usually because yeah, usually when they want to close shop, they close shop fast. Yeah. But uh, so Disney already said BlackRock was uh going to be closed. Um but the BlackRock employees already knew about that and they have actually already started two separate development companies when they split apart. Um now Team Bondi is a different story and the reason why they're a different story is because they just had an incredibly successful game. <laughs> uh, LA Noir was incredibly successful and this goes to show you that you as a developer or the developers I say you don't have to make a bad game in order to get shut down. How bad, awful is this message? Bad the press. The worst thing they ever did was make a blockbuster. Yeah. <laughs> bad press is enough to shut down a, de- a developer, because that's basically that's what happened. I mean, the LA New World came out. It was excellent, critically acclaimed. Um, and then the bad press started to come out. Rockstar pretty much says, hey, we don't want to have anything to do with these guys. Actually, Rockstar didn't enjoy their relationship According to Rockstar, in the, first place, in the right. first place, yeah, they didn't like really working with Team Bondi. Not should say with Team Bondi, but with the management Team Bondi actually really interacted with. So that they, you know, that relationship shuttered, and now Team Bondi is no more. Like, wow, right? They were in a, they were administration for like all of a week, maybe, and then it was they're closed. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's like. Wow, just really like you, the, the worst thing. The worst game you ever made was a critically acclaimed blockbuster, and you still got shut down. Yeah, yeah. Everybody I mean, that's it. A, everybody bought it and still didn't work out. Yeah. That's a, I mean, like that sounds like really crappy on paper, but I mean, the, the real the reality of the situation is it was a troubled development in the first place. You know, like it's not just Rockstar that said that they had trouble with you know upper management and Team Bondi, plus everything that happened with all the workers, which, you know, I, I mean, the results haven't come out yet, but that in and of itself was enough that it, cut, it created some issues. So, I mean, like, there's more to their story than just, you know, they made a great game and got shut down for no reason. Like, there's reasons. But oh, yeah. It does, it's still a crappy, it is still kind of a crappy moral of the story, though, like, you know, that you finally work out, you know, you work out the issue with your development and get the game out, and it's great. And then you still end up, you know, getting shuttered. So, yeah, everything that's happened to them from about two weeks, I think it was, after the game launched, you yeah. know, it really has been leading up to this. So, this really isn't that surprising, but it's still, it's unfortunate because they had, you know, I mean, how many people had already been laid off <laughs> by them? Now, everybody who's still mm-hmm. there is, is out of a job, too. But yeah. it's not it's not surprising because all the stuff that came out, just constant negativity was swirling for was it past four months or three months, whatever it's been. Yeah, so well that that's that for them, you know. Team Bondi farewell, BlackRock, farewell, you know, and oh, we wish the best for the developers. Yeah. It's a shame we'll never get to see Pure Two. Should have made that in a split second. Yep, yep. But, uh, you know... But that wasn't in their hands either, though. That was yeah, Disney. That, that and that Disney's the one that gets to shut them down. It's like, yeah, that's funny how that works, but yeah, anyway. But, yeah. <laughs> but uh, don't listen to everyone nah. who lost their jobs yeah. over this. 
Yeah, and we're looking forward to seeing the games from the new from the new studios that were created. So, um, but you know, moving on to our last topic, let's talk about Bethesda and how they are not interested in social, you know, in the social trends. Good for With, them. Yes, I, like you know, when I read this, I clapped out loud. Like it was like I was like, I thank you, thank you so much for making these statements. Um, yeah, I read the headline and I was kind of like, well, maybe it means something other than what I think. And then I read it, I was like, nope, that's what I thought. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So basically, you know, uh, basically what Bethesda is saying that they, um, they're self aware of, they're very self aware of themselves, and they know what they're good at. Um, they say that social games are not what they're known for, and they want to continue pretty much to, to develop for their core demographic. Uh, actually, I'll, I'll read you a quote. It says, uh, you know, that's not where our interests lie. That's not what we're known for, and it's not the kind of stuff we've traditionally done. I think we're pretty self-aware in terms of who we are and what type of games we make, and we want to continue, oh, sorry, we want to keep trying to make those games bigger and better and not to go off on something that's completely different that we don't have a lot of expertise and knowledge of. <laughs> well Roy said. Of applause. <laughs> yes, well said. Uh, from you know Bethesda. Actually, they said you know uh, another quote from them. We had the same thing uh, a couple of years ago with the DS and everyone running after the DS and creating social games and games for girls. And now shifted from oh we're going to put out lots of DS stu- lots of stuff for the DS or the PSP, and now it's Facebook and social gaming and iPhone, which he's absolutely right. You know, like, a lot of the bigger publishers, or even developers, were, like, really shuffling to... Because, you know, the the DS printed money. So they were trying to get as much, you know, a lot of stuff onto the DS, or focus on, like, maybe the female demographic more in social games, and now it's all about mobile games. And that shift did not take long. I mean, yeah, just, that was, like, a violent left turn. Yeah. It really was. Now you have EA CEO saying, oh yeah, our largest growth, and we talked about this last week, so I'm not going to get too much into it, but, you know, our largest growth is in iOS and, you know, social games and blah, 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 blah. You know, they, you know, they're really getting into that, but, you know, Bethesda, they want to focus on their core demographic and continue to make games better for that demographic, you know. Anybody else got something to say? Yeah, I'm Just, kind of glad that they're that they're doing this as we all pretty much went over. I, I think of um, <laughs> I, in seri- all seriousness, I I make an actual point here that we have made already. I think of um, EA and Bioware with um, Dragon Age on Facebook and how that was like touted, like same kind of like Dragon Age, obviously very hardcore RPG, and then it's you know, hey, we got this. Dragon Age on Facebook thing now, and everybody was saying, you know, it's, yeah, this is really cool for a Facebook game. But I was, I don't know about you guys, but I was still like, yeah, that's cool. I don't really want to play that though. I'm just gonna go play Dragon Age. Yeah, exactly. Xbox, <laughs> and then I'm gonna move on to some other RPG. I wish they yeah. would because taking that development time and used it to make something else cooler in Dragon Age. Yeah, make some cool yeah. DLC. Yeah, that's not said in Yeah. Well, I mean, the first one wasn't set in Kirkwall, but still could have could have used some. Extra. No, that was the second one. <laughs> yeah. The first one was set in Kirkwall. But you're right. You're right, though. They did come out with that. Well, uh, yeah, the, I guess the, yeah, the, the, the Mark legacy Mountains or whatever. Right. Um. Yeah. I mean, 
it, and it's not even to say that you know there's there's not a, a place for anybody to do you know to, to to you know go after those markets but like i don't think that every publisher and every studio needs to like jump ship and jump and run to them which is what that i think that's what makes me most glad about him saying that like he's basically saying like we know where we're supposed to be and we know what we're good at we're not going to just jump ship because of the trend to go chase after something else when we're already successful here. Like, isn't it enough to just be successful where you are? Like, yeah, you keep an eye on where things are going, but it's not like the hardcore market went anywhere. Exactly. There, you know, it's just, it'd be one thing if like the hardcore market dried up and like social gaming was all there was now, but it didn't. But everybody's acting like it did. You know, it's the same thing that we hear the doom and gloom every week. Like, it didn't go anywhere. Like, we're all still here. Like, yeah, social gaming is new and it's exciting and, like, there's people, you know, that's a new market, and you know, for new gamers. That's great. But, like, not every studio that, like, makes games for us needs to go run and, you know, do it. You know, like, there's developers that are working on that stuff. Like, pick those developers up, you know, like, absorb those guys, do whatever. But, like, I get, like, big, big companies like EA and Activision, like, you know... Not necessarily like turning away from what they're already doing, because I mean, obviously they haven't. You know, you've still got Battlefield and EA Sports and Call of Duty and all these games, and and you know that's that's fine. But like you know, when they're that size, you know, they have to kind of spread you know spread their spread their reach a little bit into different things. But to hear you know other studios and smaller publishers talk about that kind of stuff, like oh man, we, that, that's our newest that's our newest growth place, and that's where we're going. That. Eh, no. Like, yeah. you know, you have a market, you know, why are you going to throw it away on the chance that you, you jump in and you can do something? If you want to, like, yeah. you know, make small steps into it, like, they, whatever. Like, I, like I'm, I'm all about there being new gamers, you know, even if it's not necessarily the games that I particularly like to play. Like, there's different, there's so many of us, you know, on this friggin' planet. <laughs> and there's so many of us that like different things that, like, you know, it's fine that there's a, a different, set of games for people that you know enjoy a different type of game than you know you or me or you know the guy across the street from me or whoever you know so great you know like go after those gamers but don't leave the people who even got you to this point that's what's great about bethesda they're just like that perfect size where they can bring out these mega huge blockbuster games like skyrim and you know spend a ton of money on marketing and all and have them be hugely successful but they're not so big that they're EA, Activision, and Ubi, and they need to be running around and just in every chasing single outlet. Right. Yeah, chasing the trends and just being in every single like platform possible. Like you said, like that's fine. I agree with you that that's totally fine if that's what those guys want to do because there are so many different people out there, like you said. Yeah, just but, don't forget who got you here. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I it's mean, it's nice to see somebody staying focused and saying uh, this is right. this is. You know, we are one of those hardcore companies, and we're just we're gonna do that. And you know what? They're very successful doing it. Right. Exactly. We know we we know where we're good at. We're good at doing it. People buy our games. Why do we need to chase it? That's what I like. I don't need to hear that from every publisher. I don't need to hear that from every developer. But it's nice to hear it. You know, especially from somebody who makes games like Elder Scrolls and they got stuff like Rage coming out. Like, thank you that like somebody gets it. You don't have to. You don't have to chase the trend. There's. There's a whole new, you know, set of gaming that's developing that is chasing that trend without you having to go run into it, too. I don't know. Well, I mean, the statement that they made just really shows how in tune they are with not only, you know, themselves, but with their player base and their community. 
you know, they, they know uh, where their fans are. They know that they make good games. They're just going to continue to, uh, you know, work and tweak that and pretty much just make sure that they keep their fans happy. And the thing is, like, it's not like they make very, like, you know, uh, or game. I should say, it's not like they make games that have very small, you know, likability. I'm trying to think of a better word. You know what I'm saying? Like their their games can actually reach a broad audience. Like you know, yeah, like Rage can reach. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They their their Rage can reach a broad audience. Skyrim can reach a broad audience. So they just continue to make that better. Um, you know, while of course developing new IP, they're gonna be fine. The pro- I think the problem with you know with uh, you know a lot of the other publishers and developers who do go the other route and want to chase every trend is that they're not really in tune with their communities and the, their player base and, and the gamers. Cause, right, they uh, see social gaming rising and they think like, oh my god, that's where everybody's going now. And it's like, no, that's just, there's, there's new people. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> that's it. Nah, come on. Yeah, well, it, and even, the ones that are here. And even though I can understand like EA and Activision, even Ubisoft, uh, you know, starting to focus on social gaming, iOS games, mobile gaming, stuff like that. What I still don't appreciate, even though I know that they're big companies and they have to spread their wings because that's what they do, but I don't want to see a shift, a major like shift, like you know we have lots of development dollars going toward iOS development as opposed to Xbox development or PS3 right, development or, or PS3 development or current gen. That's what I don't want to see, and I don't think that's happened yet. And that's why that's why I'm kind of like of that mindset that I can be kind of moderate about that. Like I understand why they need to like go in that direction. You know why EA would acquire PopCap, but like you know, as long as it's not like, well, you know, next Madden that's only going to be on iOS and Android. You know, then we're in a processing problem. But until that happens, and I don't think it will. Like I just don't want you know. I it's unless that like you know it's fine that they go after that market. In fact. even uh, you know the guy from Bethesda himself, his, his quote, and it, it's actually like I think like the best quote in the whole thing that sums it all up is that you know I have an iPhone in my pocket and I have a hundred games on there and they're great by really talented companies, but that doesn't mean we should be the ones trying to mar- making those or competing in that space or going on Facebook. Right. Like at some point you have to know what you are, you know, and when you're a mid-sized, smaller publisher developer, like you have to know what you are. You know, if if your choice is to to be that smartphone, you know, developing company, I I mean, heck, even like the team, half the team that split from BlackRock that went and made one of the studios, that one of those studios is focused on smartphone development. If that's what you want to go after, then go after that. But like, I don't see a need for like every everybody to switch gears, change, run, you know. <laughs> Everything is falling apart. We gotta go over to smartphones, you know. Exactly. Don't so. pretend we don't exist. You know, don't don't pretend that we don't still play games that we're that people that you don't still have those people buying, you know, eight million dollars worth of Call of Duty or whatever, you know. Or just don't do that, you know. Yeah. So good job, Bethesda continue on that path. Mash those buttons approves. That was a clap in case you guys didn't hear that. <laughs> but um yes, yeah, so that's gonna end our you know, with our normal topics. We did get a response for our top for our, our, our question last week. 
So I guess we're going to keep this train moving. But it was uh, the question was, uh, or I to say questions, uh, what do you think new consoles need to have to reinvigorate game innovation? And do you think new console, oh, sorry, new hardware invigorates innovation? And if not, what does? So the response is from Sage Infinite, uh, one of the people who responded last week as well. Uh, and his reply was, in my opinion, new consoles need to have some type of onboard uh, physics card chip. I think uh, the physics in games have not been explored to its full potential. Also, I believe that there needs to be a a refocus on AI. I think more intelligent games could reinvigorate gaming. I think hardware invigorates gaming, but in my opinion, it's more toward the end of the console's life. At the beginning, it's just a graphics race, which is cool since I'm a low-key graphics whore. But more more toward the end of the console's life, we need to see games that start to push the envelope. What do you guys think? Well, it's really the middle of a console's life when you see the major innovation for the most part. It's like right around year three is when everyone has mastered the technology pretty much. And now they start doing things that you've really never seen before aside from just, you know, textures look a little bit nicer, a few dozen more people on screen at the same time. But things that actually make you feel like, oh my god, I never thought they'd do this on a video game machine. Like this is amazing. Yeah, I disagree. Like I don't think it's the middle. I think it is the end. I agree with what you know what the the commenter said uh, that really like because that's when you do start saying like when they start hitting those limits. Like I think it, I, I guess it's maybe not so much about hardware, but it's more about ingenuity at that point to me because like I don't. I guess like I agree with the idea that like at the end of a lifespan you start seeing like things that you've never seen before things that are invigorating but i don't i don't necessarily think that's because of hardware i think it's because of hardware limitations actually and in, in its own way i don't know that's yeah. interesting sort of like they they can't push it any further so now we have to they find other ways something. to use it or to do something yeah. that they hadn't done before because before it was it was very out of the box and it was very I, like i agree with him saying like the beginning of it graphics race which it is we i mean we we've already did talk about that um, to some extent, but yeah, I don't want nice <laughs> yeah. graphics though. You know, yeah, but for all the hate that we, it's not about graphics. It's not about graphics. Like, I mean, who amongst us doesn't? They're want nice. Graphics? Right. <laughs> we yeah. do want that. Like, we're not. You know. Yeah, there are a lot of people in the industry saying that graphics aren't important anymore. And yeah, that and, worries me. Yeah, that I've gotta that, be honest. That worries. That, me. in my opinion, is uh, them trying to just make an excuse for the fact that they don't want to pay for better graphics development. Because it is going to cost more money from a development standpoint. Actually, a few months ago, CEO of THQ says, with his expectations of the new consoles, if the new consoles actually come out to his expectations in terms of hardware and graphics development, he can't see how he's going to be able to sell a game for less than $100 a pop. You know, so there is worry in the industry that the new consoles are going to be too much in terms of, of graphic development you know but you know in so my I say look how much the industry grew this generation and yeah. the one before it and think about how much is going to grow again next generation exactly but there will have to be that innovation something there's got to be some things there besides just the graphics yeah. to help fuel that but there i think once again you're going to see records broken because that's just the way it is there's more people and more people have told you know, their friends about gaming and, and whatnot, and it, it just grows. So I don't know if he took that into consideration or not. Or I don't even know. We don't even know if he really sat down and did, like, an evaluation. Maybe he did, 
and looked at all the numbers, and this is what he came up with. But right. I think more likely that's just like, well, hold on. Hold on, guys. We don't want to spend too much money here. Let's yeah. not get too crazy with this, okay? Well, you know, my thing, the problem I have with it, I'm like, okay, if you don't want to increase graphics, that's one thing because, you know, as we all know, graphics – they help. They make the game look good, and sometimes they can look awesome. But they don't necessarily make the game because we play plenty of games that don't have the mo- the best graphics. Um, the thing that worries me the most is people are talking about new ways to play games and new input types and social integration and you know being able to do stuff on your iPhone while you play with your games and new controls stuff like that. But very actually, I've only heard from one person, which is John Carmack. He's a developer. Um, there's only, there are very few people talking about AI, and he even talks about, you know, Sage talks about it in the comment, said that there needs to be a refocus on AI, like, AI is so far away from being what it could be, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I like, agree with that wholeheartedly. Definitely. Like, they, if you're gonna make a new console, let's say you don't put the best graphics in, okay, I can get with that. What I can't get with, if you don't make, if you don't make the AI smarter, there's a problem. And you know, lockdown right. frame it could rates. be it could be lockdown, real yeah. beautiful, but if the computer's staring at you with blank dummy eyes, you know, while <laughs> you blowing the pieces, what fun is there? Yeah. Exactly. And like what Nick said, yeah, like lock down that frame rate. Like, yeah, okay, maybe keep you know, boost up the graphics a little bit and then get a frame rate like get, let me play 1080p games at 60 frames per second that that and makes like, a really play difference. them at 60 frames don't say we can play them at 60 frames until the first thing happens yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> like that makes a that can make a huge difference in how a game actually looks yeah. so all right, yeah, but um, yeah, thank you for your comments sage hopefully next week other people will join you in the conversation yeah, people hopefully they will Come you know we, we had some responses last week and you know I mean, we've had responses each week which is why we've kept doing it but we had a lot of responses last week so hopefully people get back know, get back on the, the question again yeah <laughs> or answer you know take the time to answer the question you know thanks we, to all we, of you guys who want to hear what you think so. yeah. right yeah thank you yeah people but, uh, responded on twitter and on the site yeah thank you great thank you yeah before we uh Yes, we do. <laughs> and for this week, uh, so, uh, the question I'm going to ask is, uh, what do you think is the best way to combat piracy? You, as a gamer, what do you think is the best way to combat piracy? Hmm. I don't have any follow-up to that. That's a good question. I probably would have to think about it myself, because I just started the question. Usually when we do these questions, like we don't we don't discuss the questions beforehand. No, we don't, not at all. That's why I usually have a follow up question because I'm like, well, not everybody's gonna think that. So, like, what about the other half? <laughs> yeah, it's usually like as we're talking, I was like, hmm, I can ask that question. So, you know, one day we will be more organized. One day, but, but um, not today. Uh, well, thank God. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> let's see what's coming out this week. Actually, Jesus, yes, where it starts. Yes, let's let's uh, in terms of major releases we got Dead Island coming out, Resistance 3, Warhammer 40k Space Marines. Um there's also Crush 3D, Desigia 4, Might and Magic Heroes. Is that 6? Yeah, it's 6. Rise of Nightmares <laughs> for the 360. Um is that that's like a Connect game, isn't it? Or is it just Connect compatible? Yeah, it's, it's Connect. Yeah, I mean I saw the ad for it. Watch this. I saw, I saw like an ad for it, the one that just a picture of the guy's mouth covered. No idea what the game's about. Do you guys know anything about it? I do not. <laughs> I honestly really don't. Yeah, yeah so. I gotta plead ignorance. Yeah, terrible. But it does. I do know it requires connect, but I haven't seen much else aside from that. Like, yeah. 
Yeah. So there you go, guys. That's happening. Yeah. And then uh, there's also Terror Online PC Wicked Monster Blast. No idea. But there's at least, let's say, one, two, three major games coming out. And then the 3DS couple... is actually getting a game, too. That might be worth looking at. What, the Terror? Uh, no, sorry, got, um, the, uh, the Crush 3D? Star Fox port coming out. Oh, yep. that comes Star out on Tuesday? Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's Friday when we'll be recording uh, our next podcast. Got, uh, really? A so, release on a Friday? Yeah, yeah, which is weird for Nintendo. I thought it was yeah, on the 11th. I thought it was the 11th. Which maybe is it is, though, because maybe I, 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 I maybe it is. Maybe that's nine. maybe that was a tentative date because Nintendo games always launch on a Sunday, so it probably is the 11th. But it's still going to be a game that's pretty close to this week. So yeah, you have a three a 3DS game to look forward game to. GameStop still has it. They, they they still have it listed as the ninth. Maybe it'll be one that breaks. Yeah, you know? that's weird. That is weird. That, but, uh, that could be wrong. Like it. It could be not street dated too. It's not street dated. They'll tend to get them on a. But I mean, like they're weak. Friday. They're weak out at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would think like you know if people preparing to get it on the ninth, <laughs> you know it's like uh, it's you know they would actually have it you know, correct. But I guess we'll find out. We'll find out soon enough. It's only a week away, so. Um, but yeah, that's gonna do it for us here today. Um, you can catch us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash mash those buttons, uh, facebook.com slash mash those buttons, twitter.com slash MTB site. Um, any questions? We, we want to hear from you guys, so if you have any comments, even if it doesn't have anything to do with like the question that we ask, or you know, I would assume it would have something to do with the actual podcast, you know, just comment. You can send us emails. Uh, if it's a complaint, send it to Rob's. Complaints to Rob. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. He's the community manager, so he kind of, you know, he takes care of all that stuff for me. (laughs) And, um, yeah, you know, you just, you know, let us know what you think. Love us, hate us. Just leave a comment. Please talk to us. (laughs) You know? Do you want to see Gabe Newell released from Jared's basement? (laughs) We'll we'll at least entertain (laughs) what you have to say. I can't promise you will, but. (laughs) Yeah, to entertain the idea, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Ten comments on the thread, or Gabe gets it. <laughs> yeah. So. Definitely. That's, that's all. Well, maybe eight. Maybe, maybe eight. eight. Yeah. Maybe. We'll see how things go. They got to be good comments, though. Yeah, exactly. They got real comments. Maybe more for Don't like a hundred, two hundred comments. Maybe we'll, you know, we'll we'll let them go. Yeah. Yeah, we got to start somewhere. That's why I said eight. Well, if we get a hundred comments, I will drive him back to Washington State. <laughs> All right, I will personally drive. Yeah, him. We won't make him walk. I mean, that's yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's we get eight. We just like set him up on the street. You know, good luck. Yeah, exactly. I can't let him walk back to Washington with that Blu-ray player. I'm going to give him. Yeah, so. Why you get a well, I, I told you guys before the other Nashcast. <laughs> like, when I kidnap him, it's, it's going to be comfortable settings. Right. Yeah, it's going to be well fed. There's going to be a uh, choice of like consoles. Ed, Ed, keep working on games down there. Yeah, it's you like know, highborn captives in you know like the medieval medieval times. Like they put them in a they lock them in a tower, but the tower's got like a nice bed and like it's got everything you could want, a servant and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but, like, give know, him, give him all the cable still, channels. Still a prisoner. <laughs> access to Facebook, all the important stuff, you know. We Imagine just want... how amazing our site would be if we put this the kind of effort into it that we do into planning Gabe Newell's kidnapping. <laughs> uh, you make it sound like we don't plan this at all. Yeah. Like, we just sat down and we're just like, hey, let's just talk about some crap today. Like, yeah, why not? Fuck it. You know, like, we got Gabe still, so we can, we'll go and play Halo with him later exactly. or something. But... <laughs> I don't want to hurt Gabe. I just want Half-Life 2 Episode 3. That's all I want. Is that so much to ask? No one said you were harming him. 
Exactly. Yeah. I mean, well, sure he'll families out, outside of Valve headquarters, and he'll come out and you know talk with you guys and give you pizza and let you come play Test Dota too. Because yeah. he did that actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah I did see that. He's such a champion of the gaming community that like they weren't like let's drag the cops off. Like cops showed up to like you know not really like a cost them. They didn't really bother them too much. But like he was like no, it's fine. And like talked to them and sent them pizza and soda and brought them in to play Dota too. That's awesome. Gabriel is a saint. I don't know how you about kidnapping him and holding him captive. Every week. <laughs> I said we is, he's terrible. going to be very comfortable. He might not even want to leave. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> might relocate Valve to South Jersey. Might have. <laughs> that would kind of be great, though. But, you know, anyway. Yeah, that's like, it for us, guys. So you guys... Man, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, you have a nice day, night, whenever you listen to us, and we will catch you next time. All, All right. Take care, everybody. Listen. See you.